Akwaba, welcome to Tichler Talks. This is a platform where I, Tichler, have conversations with people from different walks of life who share their thoughts and pass their story thus far. I hope you enjoy. What do you, um, what do you wish you, you knew before you started university? I wish I knew that I was going to develop as much as I did. You know, you're going to develop as much as you did. I wish I knew that. Why? Why do you think you were going to develop that much? I think I didn't know it. I didn't know any different, if I'm honest, because each university journey is very different. Mm. It's it is what you put into it at the end of the day. It could be socialising, that could be working on assignments. So I wasn't sure what university would look like. I've only heard that people study these things on the course. I had right. no idea. I had no idea what it was going to challenge, it was going to bring, and I had no idea that... Um, I'd uh, enjoy it as much as I did and mm. the new anxieties of having um, new new faces, new rules, new new environments. That's uh, what I wish I knew before I started, how I, it was actually going to be, not the fact that you have, what, on an open day, an hour, well, less than an hour, an hour and a uh, half, half to two hours with pit stop guide around yeah and a half an hour talk with one of the lectures and you you were really given the answers that you wanted because kind of what my brain was doing it was like i was asking these questions i was asking these questions and it was like more and more questions more and more questions Mm. and then that was making me feel even more on edge about it because it was going more answers. And then mm. I was using those answers to try and imagine what it would be like. Yeah. And then it's like, wow, do I really want to do, do this? this? Yeah. Is there, is there a light at the end of the tunnel? I know that sounds silly now because I'm through it. Yeah. But obviously but before you used to No, it was like really, it was the anxiety of it. Yeah. And it, it was exciting as well. Oh, um, what's one thing that you've, um, you've learnt the most from university. They look back and think, I'm thankful for university for teaching me this or I was able to do this. I'm thankful for a couple of things with university. I'm thankful that I've developed as a person and my academic skills and that I can critically look at things now. I can somewhat make a judgment on what is false and what is true. Also, I love the fact that it kind of pushed me, metaphorically, of course. It wasn't like Cheers came to push me. <laughs> I'm, I'm six foot seven. I'm not going to move that quickly, am uh, I? Um, <laughs> but like a brick. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was metaphorically pushed into self le- self-guided learning and all that yeah. kind of stuff, which that was quite exciting because... It was like, there's an assignment. You need to get these answers. You need to write it this way. And we're not going to tell you how to get there. That challenged me because 
Yes, you know the guidelines and whatever they're looking for. Sure, sure. But you never actually know exactly what they're looking for. Like, I'm sure this happens where the tutor's marking it and they've had a really bad day and then they just feel like to take it out and just be really critical in, yeah. their, in their marking. So that's another thing I've, I've learned for myself as well. And would you say... Um because obviously you talked about in your primary school and your secondary school days, your teachers were more um, negative towards you. How were your teachers different in university? The tutors were different because apart from the aforementioned um, PE teachers at secondary school, yeah. the tutors at university and the tutors that I had at college were very much more positive in the outlook of things. They were... They didn't look at me as having a disability. They tried. They helped me the best they could, and I really got on with the tutors. They took. For, they took you for who you are, a person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they saw. They said, "You've got one or two, three different avenues that you can go down." They never said, "But." you can't do this one or you can't do that one or this is too hard for you or there's no reason why you sh- shouldn't go down that and look at yeah, that. There's and how, how did that make you feel going from a place where you've been pushed down to like they're lifting you up and even asking you to look at a uh, wider It wider was um, great because it raised my self-confidence levels like when I started going through the assignments and getting good and getting good grades, that helped mm. me. And also being picked up by not only my mum, who picks who's picked me up so many times and so thankful that she has and continues to do. To have it from tutors is so much better because I had never really experienced that. Mm. Yeah, and to be sitting here I'm completed university that's what I'd say wow no I, I can that doesn't surprise me in the sense that um, again your your upbringing and the way people have kind of put their put what they think you are onto you and that already damaged your self confidence yeah because subconsciously if you keep hearing things seeing things sooner or, or later you're going to start thinking those things. Believe it, yeah, 100%. It's a, it's a continuing circle. There's someone say, oh, oh, Dylan, you say, oh, you say, oh, I'm nice, I'm tall. And then someone says, oh, you're too tall. I was thinking, too tall? Why is it bad to be tall? And then you hear that more and more, I think, oh, they start wishing you're smaller and smaller. Yeah. And it's just because of the people are putting their own perceptions and ideas. They put the, pretty much doing their own insecurities onto you. Yeah, that wasn't really a problem with me. I wanted to be seven foot tall. You want to be seven foot? Yeah. You want to be taller? Yeah, I want to be seven foot. Say less, seven. why? Why? Yeah. <laughs> I had some kind of obsession with the thought of being seven foot tall. That's kind of cool. So actually, because obviously I'm nowhere near six foot <laughs> seven. So how, how is that? How is that? Uh, how's that like? How's that life? How's uh, it's a bit colder. It's a bit cold. Yeah. <laughs> in the winter. I'm, I'm careful. I need to be careful otherwise I have snow on my ears. This guy's not serious. He's mocking it. He's mocking it. He's mocking it. No, but... Uh, what did you want me to say? <laughs> <laughs> no, but 
no, no, it's um, it's uh, I, I don't know. I didn't. I just I was interested to see what you'd uh, say. I feel it to be like uh, LeBron James and them man there. But um, no, that's cool. That's cool. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, like we were saying, with the, the people putting their own perceptions onto you, and now you've been nurtured in a more positive and loving way, and it's actually helped you because it's actually again another critical stage of your life where yeah. you're leaving university, you're not really sure where the future's going to lead lead you. No, but having good tutors around you and good people who've been able to encourage you and say, Dylan, you are a good student, yeah, you yeah. are a good person. Yeah, forget your condition. The conditions don't define who you are. You are who you are because of what you do. Yeah. Also, I had children who believed in me, and I also had someone at the first place I did my job at who really, really believed in me. Not and I had others other colleagues that believed in me as well, but there was one person that believed in me the most. And yeah, that's what set me off to a more positive view of life. How, how um how do you know um what kind of things were they doing which made you feel the the belief that I had in you? Um they were always helping me. They'd always They'd always have the door open, and they'd all, even at any problem, they were open. They would help. They'd support me, and the per- the person that I'm talking about, I'll I'll, men- I'll probably mention when we get onto the yeah. the later section. He he is actually a Sheffield Hallam graduate on the course that I was on. Oh wow! So going back to when I got it, the day I accepted the con- unconditional offer. He practically said, "You should go for it," and that's the la- that's the only thing I remember thinking. I'm going to go for this. I'm I'm taking it when I can. And there you are. There you are going. Um, so you you mentioned. So obviously you finished university, you left that, and then suddenly you go to America. Yes, America. Yeah. So uh, in our heads, we've got Dylan. Okay, so he's grown up. He's he's a kid. He's obviously struggled with. Um, you know, self-belief and obviously you didn't want to go to uh, your school trips when you're six. You didn't want to be with <laughs> grandma and granddad. And in, in secondary school, you're growing up and now you're you're venturing out in the big America by yourself. Yeah. It Do- doesn't make sense, does it? It doesn't make sense. <laughs> polar opposite. So what happened? Uh, what, what happened was, obviously, I'd finished university with my first class degree, I forgot to mention that. Sheesh, okay, say less, say less respect. <laughs> you know, it's... Um, so Dylan, who, who was a nobody, has now gone to a first class degree student. Yeah, you wouldn't, wow. believe, you wouldn't believe that. But going back to your question, obviously, you'll find out unless it works out straight away and other people watching this will be like in my situation where they they finish university, you've got nowhere to go. Mm. I didn't really want to get back into proper work or start proper work. So I just tried to delay it as much as possible. So yes, I went to Colorado and Utah for 10 weeks and coached football out there. So that How was, was that. It was warm. It was nice. Being away from home, it took some adjusting, but yeah, let's, let's, let's talk about that. So you leave what, what month did you leave in? June 1st, June 2019th. What's going through your mind as you're stepping onto the plane for the first time? You said your goodbye to your your mum. The the goodbye was easier this time than it was when I went again this year. First time. Because yeah. Because 
it's only 10 weeks so you're after you're, you're back after 10 weeks mm-hmm. um what's going th- through my head is really and a mix of emotions like will i like it well i want to come home straight away mm. and uh just go just really go for it because if i don't like it, it's 10 weeks so that's really not that long to um be away for well yes it is considering i wouldn't go away yeah for that's what i'm trying to understand weekend. i'm trying to understand why somebody but then again i guess that's that's the growth of your life so you've gone from being and also i wanted to go to america for probably two one or two three years before i actually applied to go and coach the first time around okay and i think changes in my personal life kind of encouraged me to go and and jump in and go across the pond right so um how were the first weeks adjusting to uh to new world and being by yourself how do you how do you cope um you're not entirely by yourself because you have other people that you get to know through sure, like induction yeah. days but i guess it's more days. of like it's your by yourself in the sense that your direct family aren't with you it's a new country you don't know anybody so how did you adjust to that how did you find it I uh, adjusted to it pretty smoothly. I spoke to my mum every day on mm. FaceTime for the whole 10 weeks. I don't know if she liked it. You'd have to ask her <laughs> all the time. Then this Dylan guy is calling me again. Leave me alone, <laughs> This is man. your son. This is your son calling. Block him. Or block him. <laughs> block Instagram. She took up Instagram just to follow me. And see where I was in America. Wow, big up movie. Yeah, so to answer your question, it it you just had to adapt. Mm. You know, you, yes, there was a, a team of regional directors and other people working there, which you had constant contact with. So, any problems, just go and see them. So, yeah. that's what helped me settle in. And also, what whatever goes wrong. Uh, it's only 10 weeks yeah also because it's the summer you travel around in the summer and stay with different families you get to be culturally challenged and experiencing cultures how, how was that so what where did you go what did you see i i was predominantly around colorado which is the rocky mountains yeah. and utah with the salt lake and salt lake city yep i was i coached at salt lake city it was roasting hot <laughs> so that the the big challenge was just getting over there Mm. not when you're there that's not a challenge that's not the challenge and the families were fantastic that's that's the bit i look forward to most i don't look forward to coaching football as much don't get me wrong i do love what i do but it's spending time with the families and getting to know different families most of the families i speak to now and that was a year ago wow that's really cool how how do you say your your people skills have developed then? I think they've ha- naturally had to. Like, I'm unaware of any courses or any times that are dedicated specifically to people skills. Mm-hmm. I think you're in a new situation, so you have to start 
with the new formalities, like how are you? You have to start with the, the asking questions and stuff with every family. And I think I was less nervous when I got to the later host families in like the last couple of weeks than I did in the stop start. Mm. I hope I didn't pick that up. <laughs> <laughs> so person so personal growth happened because sooner or later it had to you, yeah you were you were uh, in an environment to do that yeah also I think what happened which was good is whatever went wrong or if it went wrong you're only with the select family for that week mm. so you just have to wait it out yeah anything. you just have yeah I've if you're in a situation like I've never been in where you don't like the family. I've loved my all my house families. I've loved my house families in this stint of um going to America and the first stint of going to America. I've loved them both. I've loved them all. And what um what differences have you noticed between British and American culture? Uh typically I think Americans are confused what football's called. You mean soccer? Yeah, yeah. I've it's 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 football. It's no. football, mate. It's football. It's it, it's soccer. I was told. I was like, I remember the first week I ever coached in America. I was demonstrating a drill, talking to them about it, and I'd use football. The kids were laughing so hard and looking at me like, "Who is this person?" Yeah, it is soccer here. Not football. Oh. And that's the biggest thing that I can remember <laughs> from the fir- first week in particular. No, that's true. I can definitely imagine them thinking, what's this I, guy talking about? Yeah. So, and when you mention tackle, tackling is a whole different ball game over there mm. than it is over here. Tackling is just taking the ball off someone. It's not, it's not like their tackling. American rugby yeah, yeah, armored sport that they have over there. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's good. And if you notice, I'm gonna assume you've noticed your your coaching has improved since you've you've been on your your rounds. It's improved. The more the second stint, the one I've just been on, mm-hmm. than it did on the first. The first one. Why? Why is that? I think because the first one was basically a paid holiday where you, where you coach your favorite spot mm. for ten for ten weeks. That's all you do. You travel around. You do all these amazing things outside of the football pitch and field, and you truly get to decide if you want to go again. And that is the biggest difference. I I wasn't expecting to go the second time. It came like this. It came yeah. it came really quickly. Like another one of my coaching things didn't really work out, and I was left without a job. So the first thing you do, what do you do? You apply for jobs. I I applied for more coaching jobs over here. Didn't wasn't successful. I 
I've always had since I left America the first time. America in my head. Mm. It's like I'm some kind of addict to that kind <laughs> of. I I'd be thinking about it. It just get me down sometimes when I was working the other job where I wish I was in America. I'd be thinking about it all the time. So I took a chance and applied for a job in America to coach for eight months. Wow. Bearing so in mind... six weeks to eight months. Two and a half months to eight months. Considering what I've said before this, I don't think the piece is fit. You know? This guy's scared to go to a small, small year seven trip and he's going to America for eight months by himself. Yeah. I... You can't write it. No, you're just divine. You're in odds. I, I, you can't, you can't, you can't write it. Like I had only remembered that I passed up a residential trip talking to you. That was something like 11, 12, 13 years ago. And now that time has gone. I've been to America once on my own. And then I've gone again for even longer. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy the growth we've had. That's... <laughs> yeah. It, you can't write it. No, it just doesn't make sense. No. But um, we're thankful for, we're thankful for yeah. your growth, 100%. Yeah. So where do, you, where do you see the future leading you then? Well, for the sh- I want to hopefully live out there in America. Full time. Yeah. Committed. Yeah. I want a, I want a career coaching soccer mm. because there are so much more opportunities to coach soccer outside there, outside of this country. Mm-hmm. It's less competitive, so that's where my biggest uh, driving force drive is. and dream is to go to live there. What do you th- um, what does happiness mean to you? I think there's two definitions for me. There's one definition where you're living in the word of what Jesus says and you get joy, hope and a feeling of power from those words and you live that way. Okay. That's the and then you you kind of combine that with the job that I believe is my purpose and the reasons why I do what I do and go over to America are the reasons I believe I've been told. And I think having your building your life on a firm foundation and where I think branches off, that's not necessarily I am giving you a a definition it sounds like it's your your happiness is equated to your purpose yeah it's like you found your purpose in uh, doing your coaching in America yeah Yeah. and that's obviously equated to your happiness and because you found that foundation in it that's what you're calling your happiness it's strange like this year more than most because it's been locked down all the way around the world like there's been 
points where I could have turned my back on coaching this year. I could have just been done with it there and then. Because you spent lockdown in America, correct? Yeah. So how how was that? Because most people watching this obviously spent it in the UK here. So how was how was that? I feel like I was a fortunate person because I only spent two weeks. Uh, sorry, not two weeks. Eight eight weeks. Sorry, in in lockdown. Okay. Where I couldn't go out. Where there was a stay at home order. Mm-hmm. So. For those eight weeks, it was tough. Like everybody's witnessed here, it is tough. But I don't think I've had it as tough over over there because of those eight weeks. And I was back coaching after that, from the from the day I got there to when I started, it was eight weeks. And I don't think I was affected as badly as some people over here might have been. Right. Because lockdown and all the coronavirus stuff caused jobs to be lost, didn't they? So I was lucky. I had a job from March. I've had a job from March till November, till, till I came back. So I think I was incredibly lucky to be out in America, to do what I love... Yes, there's restrictions, but there's restrictions with all parts of work. Yeah, definitely. Having the chance to explore the great country, I travelled to five or six different states Hmm. in that eight-month period alone. It makes... You sometimes forget when you're doing that that there actually is a pandemic and there's people suffering. So, I feel slightly guilty that I've had an incredible 2020 compared to others who have struggled. Yeah. And it's a blessing, really. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like you're you're grateful for. Um, you're not you're not here complaining about the pandemic. Cause yeah. Sure, it's affected you, but. In comparison to other people, it's nothing. And if anything, you've had a blessed yeah. year from it. And being the person I am, when I read things and when I see things, what's happening now isn't directly hurting me, but it's still hurting me. Like, I want this thing over, mm. like the next person does. I don't want there to be any more cases. I just or I just want there to be a miracle to this problem. And it might seem like some of the stuff I post on other platforms that he's having he's having a fantastic time and it's not affecting him. Well, I can say it, it still hurts me. I don't want to see people dying. I don't want to yeah. see the death rates. I don't, want, I don't yeah. want coronavirus to happen. I was just a fortunate one. I'm fully aware, not living with coronavirus, because luckily I've not had it, but the effects of it and the numbers and all those things, I'm very much aware of. Hmm. No, I, I get you. I think um, 
obviously everybody's dealt with the the situation in their own separate ways and it's nobody can tell anybody oh this is how you're meant to feel or that's how you're meant to yeah. feel it's a very subjective thing and it's very personal so no matter what perspective you take you have to respect that other person's um yeah view on that no um wow i hear you what was, what was the best place you um you went to in america on your little travel well i was lucky to go to alaska okay for five weeks and i loved colorado and i still love colorado but Alaska, I think it's just the novelty of knowing that not a lot of people will get to go there. Yeah, because when, when I asked the question, I was thinking, uh, I expected to hear LA, New York, Miami. Yeah, not like Alaska. That. No, Alaska, Alaska that's where Sarah Palin's from. Like, what's that yeah, where, Alaska is just a fantastic place. It's, it's got beautiful mountain ranges. It's got unbelievable hikes. I don't like hiking, but I'm a sucker for hiking. I'd I'd hike I'd hike to get a view for a picture. <laughs> and waterfalls. This it's still it was the coolest place I coached all all the summer, mm. and the families we stayed with, and because we had to we had to self isolate. We had to stay with the family for, for a period of time. Right. They were a fantastic family. Really enjoyable time. They became hashtag the best host dad ever. That's what that's what um that's what the coaches staying with this with me alongside staying with yeah. the other fa- the family where they um were very very good wow you mentioned earlier um uh jesus christ about religion yeah um would you consider yourself a religious person yes and what does religion mean to you what does um jesus christ mean to you how is he if he has impacted your life in a short in a short sentence he has definitely impacted my life for the greater good how so? Because he's given me a hope. He has made me a new person. He has been there when I um, I'm down. He's been there when I'm up. Mm. I think just having a rock or something that you know based on the truth really really helps and I think you can track back the start of my life becoming good to becoming a Christian the encounter you have with Christ because this kicked off my my all these experiences, all this development, mm. all these academic achievements, all these personal growth moments started in 2014. I became a Jesus believer and and a Christian 
in 2014. I was here at the, the church on work, on work placement for two weeks. That's how I got involved with the youth club. Wow. And then a year later, on my granddad's birthday, <laughs> June 7th, 2015, I had, my I had my baptism. Wow. And it even probably predates 2014. Like, I'd always wanted to come to church. Why? Because church is the only place where you're not judged. Hmm. You're not thought of as any different. Hmm. You're built up. You're not knocked down. And if you're a Christian and there's other true Christians are, are good people. They live the right way. Right. So by default, if you if you start being connected to a Christian church or a community, those bad things will stop and you'll just get more and more engaged and these mm. right relationships will be built. And I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah, it's interesting to say that because strangely enough, um, I was reading through uh, Galatians 5 today because I was doing a devotion and uh, I was reading through with my mum and in Galatians 5 it talks about um, the flesh and uh, the body because Peter's talking to the body of, um, well, the people of Galatia, Church of Galatia and he's telling them that um, that as Christians, as, as people, as human beings, we fall short every time we, we sin and as people who are, who are um, mature in the faith, we shouldn't condemn people and say, oh, Dylan, why did you go and do this? Oh, you're such a bad person, you shouldn't do that. That's yeah. the wrong thing we should do. We should rather say, okay, we understand we're doing that and let's rather encourage yeah, you yeah. and build you back up yeah. so that next time you're stronger and you can fight the battles together because yeah. you're not doing it out of your spirit, you're doing it out of the, um, you're not, so you're not doing it out of your, um, the flesh, you're doing it through the spirit. And yeah, no, I, I, I get you. I definitely hear you. I just find interest how, I was literally talking about that earlier in my moment. You bet, you <laughs> I'm a living example. If you want to, if you want to record that devotional again and use an example, an example. Here's your example of people who are maturing the faith, building those who were, who like everybody, like we all fall short of sin. Yeah, like I refer to a vision, back uh, a bit back, and I said about the university I was going to. Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering now a bit further on whether it was God putting that vision into my head not mm. just uh, me imagining in myself for the sake of imagining which I can do <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, I, yeah that's, that's interesting um, my second last question I want to ask you is there's a dinner table I've got this I heard this on um, uh, Stephen Bartlett's podcast if anybody listens to that yeah shout out to him and um Dinner table, there's six people invited, yourself, myself, and there's four other people. Who's coming and why? Um, talk about putting me under the pressure. Yeah, I did this the same thing to uh, Britta as well, and she wasn't very happy. Um, so I feel like I need to start prepping people for yeah. But how long, have we t how long have we talked about this interview before we filmed it? We haven't at all. <laughs> uh, not much anyway. Uh I think it would be pretty cool 
if I could, to have the Lord Jesus Christ Himself, sure, on that on the on the on tables the table. as one of my guests, because I just have so many questions that yes, the book can answer, but to actually hear it from the person who, yeah, who sacrificed himself for our sins, mm. that is probably the number one choice for one mm. of the and you're putting me under pressure with the other what three what is it Bruce Springsteen uh, somebody shuffled Wednesday the, the, West the Bruce Springsteen comes. would be on there because I've been a fan of his music for since 2005 I got my first oh. my first album was a Springsteen album gosh it was a Devils in the Dust uh, album and my mum bought it me and I remember sitting in my bedroom at that time just totally hooked to it hmm. and that Bruce Springsteen would be one. That's two, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to go with a surprising one here. Okay. I'm going to go with Stacey Dooley. Stacey Dooley? Yes. She's the lady from BBC Three who does all the um, documentaries. Documentaries of. Yeah, so I'm gonna go with her because it takes a, an amazing strength and person to go to these places, mm. and that goes for all the reporters. But the situations and the way Stacey Dooley speaks on the document documentaries is such a feel good for me. I can understand her. Mm. And she really comes across for me well. And she won the only series of Strictly Come Dancing that I watched in my <laughs> whole entire life. I'm sure I could tell her about that on the dinner table. Yeah. I'd be dancing with her, to be honest, dancing if I could. Uh, my I'm last one. Person, yeah. My last one. Probably. Stephen Furtick. Stephen Furtick? Yep. Who is that? Elevation. Uh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Because. For me, he embodies and his church does their ministry mm -hmm. the way that I'm a massive fan of. And I'm not saying the church I belong to they're, it's a fantastic <laughs> church. I'm not. I'm not yes, saying. I'm not that. trying to mock you, PSP. <laughs> so you're not trying to mock you. You're not mocking him. But no, no I hear you. But the way Stephen Furtick and Elevation Church operate, mm. I love the fact that they're passionate about it. Really passionate about it. I love the way that they are impacting not just in Charlotte. They're impacting the world as well through right. what through what they do, and the way. Stephen Furtick preaches the way that he shows his passion with his hollowing and the way he 
genuinely just conducts himself conducts himself mm. resonates with me because I like that kind of passion and yeah it would be pretty awesome to spend some time with him to to talk about how he's built his ministry up like this and how yeah. he's gone from from one having one campus to several different campuses including a campus in Toronto not just uh, yeah. Ballantyne North Carolina that's crazy uh my last question to you, Dylan, is if you could spend 30 seconds, a minute with your 11-year-old self. Oh, this is interesting because recently during lockdown, and I heard it before I started my uh, job that I've got temporarily until I go back to America, mm. that it's like a letter to their 10-year-old uh, self. And I said 11-year-old, especially because that's when you hit your six, yeah, that's when you hit your... Yeah, I, I, I can see where that's going. Funnily enough, I was thinking the same thing. And... What would you tell him? I think the number one thing is... There's going to be struggles. But they're only struggles for that. That struggles don't tend to last forever. Yes there'll, be, yes, there'll be new struggles, but they don't last forever. They're not, they're not going to... One struggle may last day, week, a couple of months, season. but they're not going to last like six, that. seven years or the rest of my life. And I think the biggest thing I, I'd say is buckle up. Get ready for the ride. <laughs> You're going to improve personally and professionally more than you'd ever, ever believe. And just do what you're doing and take every opportunity that comes to you. And also... Try not to listen to people's opinions because if they see you in a good place, it's natural that they're going to pull you down. Hmm. Wow. I'm sure 11 year old Dylan will be very, very thankful to us. Where's big, big my, uh, my 10 or 11 year old self will be, would be slightly confused why I'm saying this right I'm now. I'm very terrified. Yeah. Petrified by It'd be, yeah, he wouldn't be sleeping very well at night. <laughs> Wow. So that's been episode 12 of Titular Talks with Dylan Bath. Dylan, thank you. Thank you so thank much you for again. coming on and telling your story and letting this. It's I hope this really thank you. resonates with many of our listeners today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you.